Well, good morning. I am excited about being able to share with you some things today uh, by God's design and a holy accident. Uh, I'm not Russ Meek. Thank the Lord. Uh, he's not here, so I can say that. And he probably will never listen to this. Um, but I, I'm confident it's by God's design. Obviously, we believe in the sovereignty of God, God putting things together. So, uh, you know, Russ at the last minute uh, is not doing well, family's sick also. And uh, Will had a wedding out of town yesterday, so asked me if I would, uh, would do this. And, of course, I, you know, I immediately felt like God was in it and was excited to be able to pray through what the Lord would have me share today. So... I've got some good words and some bad words, some hard words and easy words for us to hear today. And so I hope that you are ready for that because this is by God's design. And it's, uh, I am an elder of this church, an overseer, and have had a unique opportunity over the last year and uh, particularly the last few months just to have some encounters with the Lord that have made me think about you. I think about you. I'm asking God about us as a church. I'm, I'm asking God about how we can best give oversight to what's going on in the body that's called the Gathering Police West. And, you know, I think about that often because I'm out talking to people about you. Uh, I'm out planting more churches. Yeah, I'm out meeting with people who are, who are hungry for God like many of you are and many of you have been and some of you are not yet um, so a couple of things that as I was reading through my journals and just asking the Lord I knew there were words that God had given me for this congregation and, uh, and so the first, the first word that I want to share is a, is a word that God gave me through um, a devotion one morning came out of Philippians chapter 1 and uh, Paul says this about some the believers in Philippi. As he writes this letter, he begins his letter this way, and so I want to begin my letter to the church, the gathering place today with this same word, because I am so thankful. As I go out and try to deal with people who are not experiencing what I get to experience with you every day, every, every week, what, what we get to experience because... God has created this beautiful thing called the gathering place. You know, I, I am so thankful for you. And so I want to just read Paul's words and just say, man, when I read this, I, I literally wrote the gathering place leadership. And I'm not just talking about people who are in roles of leadership. I'm talking about gathering place people who really are abiding in Christ whose lives are being transformed and continually being transformed because they're getting a deeper knowledge of God by experience through obedience every day of their lives. They're, they're fleshing out the moment-by-moment moment promptings of the Holy Spirit in their life and they're, they're immersing themselves in the Word. You are immersing yourself in the Word and you're, you're, you're fleshing this out and you're, you're beginning to see God for who He is and it's changing your life. And we, nearly everybody who's ever been to the gathering place, eventually if they stayed long enough, it's happened. We discovered some things about God that we didn't know were true. Some beautiful truths about God. And those things are still true and there's more to know. But I want to say, uh, I, I read this and this is out of Philippians chapter 1. I think beginning with verse 3. It's not going to be on the 
PowerPoint because I, I didn't add this this morning. I thank God in all my remembrance of you. I do, man. There are certain ones of you that come to mind. I'm just so thankful for what I see God doing in your life and for what you are doing and what God's showing you about himself and for the, the, the light that I see in your life. He says, because of your partnership in the Lord, or partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This is a unique experience that we have. And he said, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, right? That's so perfect for us. We're partakers of grace. We got it. We, we understand the grace of God and it's changed our lives. It's changed our perspective. It's like a, an awakening came for all of us when we understood the grace of God outside of the deadness of religion. He said, both in my imprisonment and in, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of the grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So I want to say, first of all, thank you. Thanks to those of you who are still fighting the fight. I know, it's, I know it's difficult because this is what God created us for. And Satan wants nothing more than to rob you of the opportunity to be able to enjoy the Lord, to have the joy of the Lord in your life, to, for him to take joy in you, and for you to encounter him and experience him and know him in deeper and deeper ways because it's going to radically not only change your life but change the lives of people around you. So thank you for that. Um. So one of the things that's been happening for me is as I've, I've shared this a little bit uh, at the end of services, but as I've been going about to different places, I have seen people come to life. I, I saw in them what I've seen in, in leaders in this church who, are, who have embraced the Lord, or really pretty much, again, everybody that comes and sticks around. Just watching, you know, the, you, you know what I'm talking about. You experienced it and you, you've seen it in people when they come. And they understand the truth about who God is and the relationship that he wants for them and his grace and his character and it starts transforming them and they, they, the light turns on, right? Y'all with me? There's this light that turns on and you see it in their face and their countenance changes and all of a sudden they become aware of God in a way that they never have before. It happened last, a couple weekends ago in Georgia. I, I, sat here with a guy who travels, who's been traveling for I don't know how many years, I think 15 years with Casting Crowns, playing drums for those guys. And they are great people. They love God. Listen to the lyrics that Mark Hall writes. I mean, they, they, understand, they are like-minded. He gets it. So he's been under that influence for 15 years and the light didn't turn on for him until this last couple of weeks. And the light turned on though, man. He called me this past week to tell me, this is sweet, sweet stuff right here. Will, y'all going to appreciate this, Beth in particular. So his son is autistic. And he's been praying and asking God to really kind of give him some better feelings about himself because his, his identity is kind of wrapped up in, in that. And he, and he has a counselor. He goes to his counselor and 
all of that. Well, the Saturday before I met with them on Sunday, he took his kids to, uh, it's called Winter Jam in uh, Atlanta. And because he's Brian uh, Scoggin of Casting Crowns, of course, he, can, he knows everybody and can get backstage. So his kids got to spend time with their favorite Christian rappers. One of those, of course, was Lecrae. You know, they get with, get with Lecrae, hang, hang out with him, and he's just, you know, his son's beside himself. Then he has to go back to his regular world, right? You know, Brian said, man, I was thankful for that. He said, and I didn't even realize I was feeling all this, but I've been praying for my son that God would just help him feel good about who he is in, in Christ. So he goes the next, uh, last week to his counselor's office. He goes to his counseling appointment. And Brian didn't know Lecrae, I don't think, until after this meeting, but Brian's very distinguished. If you look at his, it, he has this afro that sticks up about this tall on top of his head. Looks kind of like uh, Bart Simpson. And so he's very, you know, recognizable. Well, he walks in the office, and who's in the office to see the same counselor but Lecrae? And his son just goes like, you know, and Lecrae shouts out to them because he just met him. Of course, he knows Brian now. And, and shouts out to them, and, and they had this encounter and experience. And he came out of that saying, man, I just had, he called me and said, I just had a God-exclusive moment. He said, God just revealed his love for my son, his love for me, his personal touch in my life. He just showed himself to me. And he said, I, I never would have noticed that had you not talked to me about a body. That kind of stuff is, ha I mean, people are waking up. Now, that's a, that's a pretty dynamic story. That's why I told it, because it would keep your interest. But wow, isn't that cool? I mean, here's a guy who's been in the right Christian environment, in the right field, if you will, all of his life, it seems like. He was leading worship in addition to doing Casting Crowns in a mega church that's doing all the right things. And he found himself empty and heard a nobody in the office talking about my frustration with religion and coming out and trying to help people to discover God and he was drawn to that. And now his life's never going to be the same. And we're going to have gathering place churches in Georgia. Talitha and I are going back in two weeks. We're going to get back from Honduras. We're going that weekend because they go back on tour in March. And we're going to do the long-term meeting like we did with Dario and like we did with Elian in Romania to, to establish church. In, in the home of the drummer of Casting Crown. I get to see that kind of stuff all the time. And listen, uh, it, it is so refreshing. But then I also, then I come back. And I've shared this, I share this in the right way and this is the word that God has for us. So I hope you'll receive it correctly. Some of you need to rejoice because you are experiencing this right now also in your life. You're, you're experiencing in your daily walk. But I would say some, if not most of us, have become, we're not receiving the word of God into our lives anymore to obey. We're not, we're not pursuing, we're not listening, we're not receiving it, we're not trusting God to speak, and we're not obeying when he does speak. There's some stuff going on in our lives. And Satan is trying to rob you of what the world wants and what you want. I was sharing with some students yesterday at the Collegiate Evangelism Conference, the Abiding Cycle, and I thought, how would I start this off? And I thought, I just want to, you know, for those of you that are really walking and abiding in Christ, 
I thought, what is it that really you love about your life right now? What makes life livable? And I thought, we can be authentic. We, it's, it, we have this organic relationship with God. Our lives are being transformed and changed by him. We don't have to worry about it and focus on it. We have joy that's beyond our circumstances. Uh, you know, I just started coming up with all these different things that, that we get to celebrate. And this is what God created us for. In, in the abiding cycle, Jesus said, you know, in, abi- in the abiding passages, he told him, he said, I told you these things, John 15, 11, that my joy might be in you and your joy might be made complete. Well, I'm finally in my life at a place where I'm experiencing that. And I got to tell you, I've, I was falling kind of to this, falling prey to there's got to be something more because the feeling's not there anymore. Is anybody with me? The feeling's kind of going away, so what's wrong? Well, when you start asking that question in that way, the answer comes quickly because there's a voice out there that's going to speak. And he, he's, he's the voice of your past and he's the voice of your flesh. And he's going to say, well, what's missing is you need another experience, another spiritual or religious experience. Or you need more knowledge. Or you need more something. You need another church. Or you need a, another body or another something. You need something. And, and we forget we have everything we need already. Right? And, and I, I watched it happen with this group in, in Georgia. You know, he, he was so excited to call me when they had their first meeting. By the way, I got there on their fifth meeting. At the first meeting, he calls me up and he starts telling me all this stuff that went on. And there was 40 people and there was blah, blah, blah and this and that and this. And none of it was about Jesus. And none of it was about what he learned about God like he told me this week about. Nothing, none of it was God-exclusive stuff. It was just what we did and this happened and we got this and this guy was there and this kind of fellow was there and I thought, God, if you would just give me an opportunity. While he's telling me all this, I'm praying and saying, God, he's getting on. He's going, Satan will take him on the wrong track. And God gave me an opportunity. He said, he said, anything I can pray for you about this week? I said, man, I'm going to Romania in two days. Just pray for that. He said, what are you doing there? I said, we have the Gavin Place Network kind of getting cranked up. We're planting some churches. He said, what? I didn't know anything about a network. He said, send me your stuff. I said, dude, we don't have any stuff. <laughs> you're sorry stuff might be coming down the pipe but I am the stuff but I'll come if you want me to come I'd be, love to come spend some time with you and let's talk this thing through talk about what the garden place looks like hey, man it'd be great so that's where that conversation started but and when I got there it was exactly right he was already heavy everything got real heavy because he was trying to appease this person and that person and this, this this guy was talking about theology and you got to have the right theology. This guy over here was saying, no, you need more of the Spirit and you got to have a second blessing and a special uh, gift that, that in order to, to get it right. And everybody was saying, you got to have all this stuff to get it right. And I sat in that worship, what was to be a worship or church service, that fifth meeting, and I, I could just tell nobody was authentic. There was no, nothing organic. It was all pieces of everybody's answer to the solution of why they were feeling empty on the inside even though he was in a mega church and God gave me the answer to lay out in front of them and I just talked about abiding and they got it and now he's asked some people to remove themselves from the group or just said listen if this is not the direction you want to go then we need to part ways because this is what we're doing this is what God told us to do praise God right 
But we are the same, we're in the same boat, church. We, we are not receiving the word of God in the right kind of soil right now. And, and so I, I, a few weeks ago, I read the parable of the soils. And I want to read that. I want to talk about that a few minutes. And I hope that this is, what, this is what I'm hoping will happen. I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit, as God's, you know, God is, this is another passage about abiding, right? It's another passage about growth and the nurturing of the soil. And so, so it fits what we're talking about anyway. But, you know, the father is the husbandman. And so picture that. He's the, he's the, he's the garden keeper. And, and he's about to, he's checking the soil today. So this is the idea that came up to me with soil samples. You know, I know, I don't know a lot about soil. I just know we don't have any good soil in our yard, our, our old yard. Probably not our new yard either. I don't know. Got a lot of pine trees. But, you know, soil makes a difference. If you don't have the right kind of soil, then you're not going to grow anything. And, and I just want to ask you, is your soil good? And, and so visualize the, the Father up in heaven saying, today's the day that I'm, I'm going to, by my spirit, I'm going to come down and I'm checking the soil. And the soil is you. Okay, so this is not on the church as a whole. Because the church as a whole is made up of every one of us in this room. The problem with our church is not the structure or the organization or the, the distinctives that we have or the doctrines that we follow. The problem with the church is you if there's a problem. It's me. It's us. We need, we need the Holy Spirit to come in today and for God to come in and, and prune our hearts today so we can begin to receive the Word because how we receive the Word and apply it ultimately will result in whether or not you are a shining light of joy and contentment and peace and whether or not you're, you're expressing out of true knowledge of God the truth about God to your friends and the people around you. And if that begins to happen, you don't have to make it happen. Last week, one of our elders led a friend to Christ that he's been in friends with for a long time because he lived a life in front of him for a long time. And that guy went to him when he needed an answer spiritually. And, and we, look, I'm not asking you to go win the world. I'm asking you to abide in Christ. We've got to start receiving this, the word again. We've got to get it in our, in our hearts and do what it says. All of us, as God's church, he has something for us to do. And listen, I, I, I can't say this enough. Y'all with me for a second? I know I'm getting, I have to, I have to say it in a way that I, I hope you will receive it. I can't say this enough. I am convinced by all that God continues to speak to me and what he's showing me now as I'm traveling across the land and the world, everywhere I go, I'm convinced that this gift that God's given this little church is what everybody needs and wants. And nobody else is around to give it to anybody. Now, maybe they are, but I don't know them. Do you? Is there anybody else going to say that, that knowing Jesus and following him and coming to know him by experience through obedience is enough? And that the fruit that you think you're supposed to produce in your life is going to happen automatically if you just dive into the vine? Read and obey. Read, study, obey. Hear, obey. 
Nobody else is saying that. There's so many other answers that are being offered out there. We've got to get this right. Praise God, he's using us. And we're, it's always by his grace, but, but we've, got to, we've got to start walking with God. We've got to start seeing some joy in the faces of our people. You know, we just transitioned, and there's a lot going on. I know in everybody's lives in here, there's a lot of stuff going on. We're going to talk about that today. But will you check your soul today? Will you just check and see where you are? As, as, as Jesus speaks to us in the way that he spoke to his disciples. Let's check our soul today. Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. Since they had no root, they were withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked, and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Listen, the, the primary objective of sampling soil, according to one word I got on the internet, thank you Google, is to provide a representative sample of fertility within the field. Okay, let me say again. Primary objective of soil sampling is to provide a representative sample of fertility within the field. So, if the Holy Spirit is coming and checking your soil today, it, you need to know it is a representative sample of this field. You're part of us. We're all one. We're only as strong as the strongest as the, as the weakest member of our of our church. I've been thinking a lot about TGP West, and I've been wondering why we aren't producing more fruit. Yeah, you know, I've seen the, the reception of people in a lot of different places to what the Lord's doing, but today we need to ask: What's the fertility of our field? The first thing he says in verse 18 and 19, he says, Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears, okay, so the disciples asked him to explain it. So verse 18 and 19, he explains the parable. And he says this, When anyone hears the word of God, the word of the kingdom, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. And this is what was sown along the path. So the first kind of soil that's described in the, in the parable is the parable that is the soil on the path. And by the way, let's, let's nail this down. What is the seed? What is it? Oh, close. We're the soil. What's the seed? Right, and I'm, we're not talking about the Bible, although I'm holding it up to give you a hint. These, this is the Word of God. But also the Word of God is anything the Holy Spirit tells us to do with this Word of God, right? 
And particularly that's what is going to, that's when we know that it's, it's taking root, is when this word, we understand it. It gets in our hearts and we do what it says. So it's all about how do we receive what God says? How do we receive what God says to us about how to do life? How do we receive it? Does it take fertile soil? So the first kind, he says, are those that they hear it. They hear the word of God of the kingdom, but they don't understand it. And as a result of that, Satan, the evil one, comes and snatches that away. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 to 14, we see the reason why. There are some people that don't receive the word. He says, now we have, re- we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart, uh, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Now listen, verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he doesn't, he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So the, the word that God's trying to place in the hearts of some people in this room, maybe it's because... You don't understand these words. That's why you're not applying these words. That's why your life's not being changed by these words. And the word of God is not finding root in your life and changing you and bringing about this joy and peace and contentment. So what do we do about that? Well, if you, if you Spirit is checking your soul sample today and you say, hey, I really, I got to say, that's where I'm at. I don't understand the word of God. There's a reason for that. You can't understand it outside of the Spirit of God. So here's what you need. Here's what you need. If this is your condition, if you check your soul and this is who you are, you need to understand the basic gospel of Jesus and accept it. The gospel is this. You are separated from Christ. You are separated from God because of your sin. All of us are. And all of us have sinned. And we have to be perfect in order to be in relationship with God. But we're not. We've all sinned and we, we've fallen short of God's perfection. And what we earn for that, according to Romans 6.23, is death. That is separation from God. Eternal separation from God. But here's the good news. And you can understand this because the scripture says that the spirit will testify about this in your heart. You may not understand anything else about scripture, but you're going to be able to understand what I'm about to say. And you will sense it in your heart. If you, if you are uh, not a child of God, if you, if you don't understand things of the Spirit, the Spirit doesn't live in you, you will understand this. The problem is this. If we die separated from God, we'll spend eternity separated from God. But God did something to bring us back together because we couldn't do it ourselves. He sent Jesus to die, shed his blood, and his blood literally washes our sins away if we put our trust in him. So the thing that separates us from God, our sin, is washed away. And the Bible says past, present, and future is washed away. The only ones that don't come into relationship with God are those that say they haven't sinned and are, and, and are not willing to receive Christ. But he promises us 
that as many as receive him, he gives you the power to become the sons and daughters of God. And then he gives you his righteousness. God trades your sin for his righteousness. He takes your sins and puts them on Jesus on the cross, takes Jesus' righteousness, perfection, and puts it on you so God sees you as perfect. All right, if you've never received that, that gift of perfection, that gift of salvation, then that's what you need. All right, so I'm not the one evaluating your spiritual uh, soil. The Spirit is. So do whatever the Spirit tells you to do. If you need that, then just right now say, I need that and I want that. Say it in your mind to God. But that's the first problem. Some of you, that, that word, maybe you've begun to understand it, begun to understand it, and it keeps getting snatched away. Well, God told us that would happen. All right? Matthew uh, 13, 20, 21, he tells us about another kind of soil. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, he immediately falls away. Do not rule yourself out of this one. Okay? He can be talking about someone, again, who's not a believer, because he says there's no, there's no root. He finds no root in himself. And we know that the root system of a believer is Jesus, right? He's the vine. We're the branches. But he's also talking about people who understood. And we need to understand this. Here's what I think some of us might be. When God gave us this word about salvation and his grace and we began to just rejoice as the gathering place united back in the day. We began to rejoice in what he was showing us and he started showing us about how to abide in him and we started rejoicing in what that looks like and we were deepening our knowledge of God and, and it was feeling good and it was in our hearts. Then all the words that I would speak on a Sunday morning were received with joy. Think about our history. Those of you who have been with us a while. And it was always received with joy. Oh, yeah, this is good. We were writing songs about what we were studying and, you know, the, the, all these, not that we need to keep writing songs. I'm just saying, listen, an express, we were worshiping with the stuff, repeating to God the words that he gave to us because we had Kevin and Lori who could write songs about what we were studying. And we were rejoicing. And it was just, it was so good. And, 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 right, and I know you've said that. And, some of you are saying it now. You remember when it used to be so good? And when we came over here and we planted this church and it was hard, but then it got real good. You know, because we were encountering God, we were obeying God, God was doing what only God could do, and we were loving Him and rejoicing about that. But some of us receive those words with joy, or some of that were among us, received that word with joy, and, and it was good, and then but they found no root in their heart and life. And what, what's happened is they've gone on finding something else to give them that same feeling that they had. Right? Y'all with me? Does that make sense? These are words from the Lord. And I, I mean, it's a kind of soil. It's a, it's a very shallow soil. And thank God they heard the word and maybe at some point that word will dig deeper into their life and they'll, get in better, they'll become better soil. And God will be able to finish that work. You know, God does that, by the way. Uh, agriculturalists do that, too. They beef up the soil, right? We can go to Austin Ag and get us some, some fertilizer and some good whatever stuff they use. I don't know. 
to make the soil better and then we, it, all of a sudden what was bad soil is now good soil. Okay? Soil can change. If, soil, if you are grounded in Christ, which I think probably the majority of us, if not all of us are, we have a relationship with Christ. And the problem is that we are still so shallow in our soul. We haven't realized that deep is not a better feeling. Deep is not a more enjoyable place to be always. It's, that's, not, that's not how it's defined. Deep is when the word can get in us and we apply it. And so if you're shallow soul, if you, if you used to receive the word with joy, yeah, it was good, it was all good, and now it's, you know, why is there only five people here today? Or, you know, and then you're worried about that. You don't like it, myself included. All right, I find myself in that condition sometimes where I forget the words that God has tried to put deep in my heart so that I don't, I'm not bothered or my, uh, by the circumstances around me. They don't change the way I feel. Well, not, not this guy. When tribulation comes, persecution arises, immediately he falls away. Right? Is everybody with me this morning? I know. I know you're facing stuff. And I'm not talking about life. I'm talking about Dealing with this. I, I know Satan is throwing persecution into your life in regard to how you feel and what you think about this body and your commitment to this body and your part of this body and your service within this body. I know what you're feeling. It's, it's no secret. You might be having discussions behind closed doors, but the, God is revealing this truth and we need to deal with it. I don't care if you go to somebody else's church or if you plug in somewhere else. I love you and I'm glad you're here. But here's the thing. Where's your soul today? When you go somewhere else, are you gonna, is God going to be able to place his word in the depths of your heart and have you obey what he says so that he can keep revealing himself to you? I love it when God calls people away from our church to some other place, if it's for that. But please don't walk out of here because... You're not receiving the word the way you used to and it doesn't feel like it used to. That's, that's shallow soil and you're going to find yourself in the same condition somewhere else. You already came out of that. Don't get back into that. Walk with Jesus. Walk with him. Hear his word. Apply his word. Let it, let it take root in you. Verse 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word of God, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. I mean, I don't know why he chooses those two particularly. I know cares of the world make it tough, right? When, when, when life gets hard, it's hard, to, it's hard for us to obey the Lord. A lot of people, our, our default reaction is when something happens in our life that's negative and, it's, and, and you know, we tend to blame God, and, but we surely don't want to spend more time in the Bible and prayer and asking God what to do in the middle of that circumstance, typically. I mean, that's a default reaction. It's our flesh, though. Man, what I've found is, and you, you have too, many of you, is that when you stay in the Word and you're continually asking God to, to put, more, put more seed in there and, it's, and you find that the seed that He's putting in is in reference to what you're facing in your life. And it, this paradox happens. The thing that Satan meant to destroy you, all of a sudden it's making you stronger. Y'all with me? How many of you would say that that some of the worst, some of the best growth in your life came from some of the toughest experiences. 
There's a reason for that, okay? So we stay connected. We don't, just, we don't get mad at God and back away from Him. It's not, God's not trying to mess you up. He is blessing you. And He's growing you and He's showing Himself to you. And, and these things come. In the world, He says, you will have tribulations. But He says, don't fear. I've overcome the world. Let me show you how I overcome the world. In every circumstance, stay with me and let me help you, show you how, who I am in the middle of the worst circumstances. Now, we've seen that. I mean, we see it all the time. People who are in the middle of cancer, you know, last year, uh, a couple years, you know, you know, growing and testifying about the goodness of God. But the riches of this world, too, I just want to touch on that because I really think that's an issue that we've had this past year that I need to bring back up. I, I don't know what you're pursuing in the world, but I can tell you God has progressively, because we've been open to receiving words from Him, about our finances and about our life and about our giving and about our use of our resources and our time. It's happened progressively over years, okay? So I'm not, we are not somebody special. I'm just saying over time, what God has done is He's challenged us in regard to our riches. Our riches being all the things that He gives us to steward in this world. Mainly our time and our money and our possessions. And you know because we walked through this together, how God challenged me two years ago in the book of Acts that I needed to. Talisha and I were challenged and God kept dealing with that and we, is this, we're going to let this seed take root in us and sell our house so that we can downsize, buy something that we can pay cash for so we can have more money to bless our members, to, to use the resources that God's giving us right now in ministry to all this stuff and man, I can't tell you how incredible it is when we sit on our tiny house front porch. Now, we're still in debt. We're in double debt right now. Somebody buy my house. There's your financial thing you need to do. You were wondering, I wonder what I need to do financially buy my house. Uh, so we're waiting on the Lord. Our faith is in Him. But, you know, God has reduced that. And we thought it was going to make our life a little worse. It's made it better. I mean, let me just tell you what God does, okay? Just quickie on this. Like last year... Because we, we couldn't even take, uh, there were times that there was not enough money from this body into the budget that, we could, that I could take a salary. And so I, I had already, everybody knew this, the elders did anyway, that, we, that if I couldn't take a salary, it's okay. We trust the Lord to take care of us. Well, in the middle of all that time, my wife and I were talking. We said, you know, the only thing we're really going to miss is I wish we could take our summer trip. You know, she and I get on the motorcycle, we go somewhere in the, in the country we ride our motorcycle, and it you know, usually costs us a pretty good, significant amount of money. And say, well, well we, can, we, can get, you know, we can ride up to see some friends or whatever and go to Arkansas. You know, I mean, gas on the motorcycle is not that expensive. Well, God will take care of that, and it'll be fun. Well, no, no. Last year, randomly, one of my preacher friends tells me, you know, hey, my, parents live in, uh, my wife's parents live in Colorado, and they've got this three-story house in the middle of the mountains next to Breckenridge, and they let pastors stay free. You want to go? Yeah. <laughs> we had the best time. Two other couples came. Three, three other couples? Two other couples. Two other couples came with us. We hung out. We had the best time. We hiked mountains, saw mountain goats. We had moments with God in the mountains. It was probably the best vacation we ever had. And with no money, right? How did that happen? The, the, the deceitfulness of riches. Man, what you do with your money, you just don't know this unless you do it. 
But if you open yourself up to let, the, let God speak a word and put a word in your life about your benevolence and giving your money away, you're going to discover God in ways you never have before. But some of you are not willing to take that word. And it's okay. But I'm going to tell you, life gets really good whenever you start letting him do that with you. Just give it away. Test God in that. We don't need your money at the gathering place. Y'all know that, right? You need to give it away. And maybe to the gathering place. I mean, we have ministry that we're going to do and you can be a part of it by giving what you give. But, you know, I'm, go- I'm going all over the place now and, and it's so, such a blessing to walk into Georgia and say, you don't owe me anything. To go to Romania and buy everybody's meal instead of them thinking they owe me something. Now, I mean, it's, it's, it's so cool for God to be able to do it. And he will do that for you. Give it away. You don't need everything that you have. And put everything on the table for God. My house, my cars, whatever. God, what, where I'm spending my money, do I need all this? What do you want me to do with it? And I'm not saying he wants, I'm not saying he wants you to be poor. He may want you to be very wealthy. But just know. It's, it's like a thorn. It's like a thorn that can wrap around you according to what Jesus is saying. And it will choke out the word that God wants to put in your life. When those words have to do with your provisions and, and your finances and your plans and all of your, your strategy about how you're going to use your time and your money, resources. When God comes in and speaks a word, that just bounces off and goes right away. It's not going to take root. Okay? And then the last thing he says, this is the good one. Matthew 13, 23. As for what was sown in the good soil, this is the one who hears the word. Y'all with me? understands it, okay? Because the Spirit gives him understanding and then he bears fruit. He hears it, understands it, and bears fruit. The abiding cycle. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, if you hear my word, know my will, obey what I say, then you will bear fruit and it will be my fruit in you, not your fruit. It'll be the fruit of the one who sowed the seed. And that's what we want to see. Yeah, that's what changes lives. It's not that I'm a good person. It's that I finally realize I'm a nobody. And if I can let Jesus fill me with his good person, that people are attracted to him. And I can tell them. It's easy to tell someone how to have a relationship with him. It's easy to tell someone who's a Christian, who's miserable, why they're miserable. They just don't believe it. So the question is, do you believe it? How do you receive this? How's how's your soul today? I know we need this message. God interrupted the originally scheduled program. I know we need it. And I know that God already, through the few of us, or many of us, I don't know where you are, who are actually committed to hearing his word and obeying it at, at, with no reservation or very little, progressively less reservation. That God is producing fruit in 50, 30, 50, 100 fold. He's touching the world through this little congregation, through the, the remnant of people in this church. Pray that you are one of those who are willing to receive every word, any word, and walk in it. Let it take a deep root so that people can see the vine in us. 
Two closing things. One is a rebuke. The other is a choice. These two words were words that I got also as I've been praying for you as I've been on the road. Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. I know your works, church of Sardis. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. That's for us. Okay, receive it however you will. God said this is for us. You have a reputation of being alive, and you do. You have a reputation of being alive. I'm out there talking about the gathering place. There's a reputation. You have a reputation in town of being alive. But you're dead. So here's what he says. You're not all the way dead. Good news. He says, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. That makes today a significant day. Let God come in and by His Spirit fertilize the soil. What does that mean? That's subjective. Let's get really objective. Pursue Him in His Word. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. Center your life around being with God and find out what His will is for your life with a, with a determination that will not be put off to follow whatever it is He tells you to do for specific things in your life. Do it. Strengthen what's and what remains and is about to die. For I have found your works, I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it. That means do it. All these things that we've heard, your ABCs, you know, is, is a summation of it. Abide, bless, commit to community. You've heard these things from the Lord. Do them. Keep them. And repent. All right, that's our rebuke. And here's our encouragement. This is so beautiful. Deuteronomy 30, verse 15 to 20. Take it in. See, I've said before you today, life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command to you today, and this is a word for us as well, here's the seed, the word of God, the commandments of God, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, and by keeping His commandments and statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will surely perish. You will not live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to enter and possess. Here it is, verse 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live Loving the Lord your God. Obeying His voice. Holding fast to Him. For He is your life and your length of days. That you may dwell in this land that God swore to us and given us to possess. Isn't that rich? Man, let's, let's walk in, the obedience, in obedience to God's statutes and commands. 
and see the blessing that God has for us and let's live and be those blessings, that blessing to other people. God told Israel he would make of them a great nation and that he would bless all who bless them. And God's already blessing others. Don't miss out on your blessing. Let the, let the word of God start taking root in your life. Let your life be centered around knowing and doing the will of God. Watch what happens. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for a wake-up call today. Thank you for your spirit moving throughout our congregation and digging into the hearts uh, and soil of this field. And now, Father, I, I pray against the enemy taking this seed from your word out of our minds today. Pray against his schemes to rob us once again of the, the beautiful life that you have for us, a life that you said would be abundant and full, a life that you said would be complete joy. Father, let us resolve, help us to resolve today to take all the excuses out of our minds to quit explaining away why we're not abiding in you and to, to be determined in our hearts to surrender to what you've told us to do. God, show the world around us how good you are. Thank you for your, your call on our lives, on this church, for the expansion of the ministry that you're, you're giving us. We, we give you all the glory and are anxious to see how you will show yourself to the world through us. No limits. In Jesus' name.